Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's been the reaction around baseball to the Astros' cheating scandal? And how will the Rays look different this season with all the new additions, particularly in the outfield? And what's the best and worst parts of the XFL. Will the Tampa Bay Vipers find a way to play Quentin Flowers more? We've got all that to discuss with my buddy cop Eduardo Encina and some news on the Bucks uniforms on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, my uh, Twitter feed was blowing up because uh, the Bucks had a huge announcement. Tom Brady has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No, no, not that one. Shaquille Barrett um, has re-signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm, not 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 quite that big. No, uh, uh. no. Jameis Winston's come to a long term extension. I'm afraid not. I'll just flip over all the cards, Kitty Carlisle, and tell you that it is the Bucks have confirmed what is the worst kept secret and one that will make Thomas Bassinger extremely happy and proud to be the uh, the instigator, perhaps, of their new uniform changes that they will unveil for 2020 in April. Our long national nightmare is over. Thank goodness. And when you say that, I don't mean the uniforms. I mean just the debate about the uniforms because I don't – frankly, I guess, I guess you know that uh, seniority has its curse and privileges. One of them is that I don't remember anybody in the – I don't know. what. Let's see. When I started, it was probably – okay, so let's say 12 years. Sure. I watched this team lose in the orange, right, mm-hmm. and lose badly. Uh, and everybody hated those uniforms. They made fun of them. They called them the creamsicles. They called them, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the pirate, you know, the stiletto-chewing pirate on the hat was ridiculed, um, everything, because, frankly, they lost. Now, when I was when I was a kid and the Bucks were playing in the FC Championship game, um, you know, that that seemed to be okay. But, uh, you know, but but then when they started losing, everybody hated the orange. Then they went to the new uniforms. Everybody loved them. They loved them. They loved them right away, and they won, and they kept winning, and they kept getting in the playoffs, and then eventually they won a Super Bowl in those uniforms. And everybody they loved them, and then they they altered them a little bit a few years ago uh, with the sleeves in particular, uh, made the logo a little bigger, which I thought was better, and then they they you know put the chrome on the helmet or whatever, and then everybody hated them again. And well, they've lost twelve years in a row. They haven't made the playoffs, so. Is it the uniforms or is it the play? Well, regardless, they're going to have new uniforms, and they're going to show those off, I'm thinking, sometime in April. I would guess right around when the schedule comes out because, you know, if you if you get people excited about the schedule and then you uh, show them the uniforms and then you put the season ticket, single-game season tickets on sale, then that's that's going to be the, the, you know, the triple header right well, there. Well, you've got to have your new threads for the games that you're going to attend this year. That's right. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. There is an upside to the uh, team. It's called revenue. And uh, the reason why they change uh, every five years or so, or sometimes less, but uh, is because they get to sell a whole bunch of new merchandise to you. Because everybody's got to have the latest gear. Look, it's a good business decision on several levels. One, Mm -hmm. it sure seems like the preponderance of fans have disliked these uniforms, or at least the ones that are vocal about it definitely do. 
Yes. And two, it's a new revenue stream. Or as people want to have the new latest gear, they're mm-hmm. going to go buy it. So it's you a good business to, yeah. decision for the Glazers. I, you know, I personally don't like the current uniforms, but I'm also not their target audience. I'm not the right. age demographic they're going after. So, it, you know, it's yeah. easy for me to just go, they, they're awful uniforms. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, old men screaming, get off my lawn. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, look, I, I think... Like I said, I don't like the uniform, so I, you know it'll be good to see what they come up with, and it'll be interesting what the reaction will be as well. Well, and that's the thing. You're not going to please everybody. I mean, I think where they, where they really swung and missed was with the alarm clock numbers of the last, the last shirts that they produced. I mean, they, they had a good uniform when they won the Super Bowl, and, um, and they went away from that. Now, you know, it would be interesting if all they do is simply go to the color rush uniforms they're wearing now <laughs> or some modification of that. Um, I'll be shocked if they go back to orange, though. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you're going to see the old logo. Uh, boy, that would require a lot of changes at uh, at, at the Spectrum or at uh, the Advent Healthcare Center with uh, with everything that they've invested in the uh, the pirate and not to mention the big flag with the you know the uh, skull and cross swords. But um, but yeah, so it's it's something to look forward to. Something that that they've kind of slowly rolled out on social media, dropped hints. Everybody knew it was coming. Um, well, this again, means our, our, they've been working on it since last year because it, it takes exactly you have to make your intention known to the league and I believe mm-hmm. you know the manufacturers and all that at least yep. a, a year. I think it's you know basically at the start of the the league year a year before that at minimum. Right. Um, it could be a two year mm-hmm. process. It could have been two years ago they came to them. I mean, it can be yeah, it can be know, up to but, five years sometimes. You don't know. Yeah. Yep. But so it, this has been in the works at least for over a season now. So. Right. Right. But. Hey, I know a lot of people are uh, are concerned about it, and it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is. And I don't think they're going back to the old look, the retro uh, creamsicle look. But maybe they'll maybe maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe but maybe we'll see. maybe they go to a white helmet or you know the same color mm-hmm. helmet as the retro, so that they could actually do. That allows games. them to wear them. That's correct. Because that's could, what they you know, would need. You mm-hmm. have to wear the same helmet for every game. So as long as you can take your current helmet and make it look like the retro, you can do that. The yes. Bucks with their the pewter helmets they have now, the, the you know the chrome, they wouldn't match the old. They uniforms, can't. Yeah. They can't make it look that way. But if you if your helmet's the same color as the old ones, and you just changing decals out, they could do that then. Yeah, and what's interesting if you ever get a chance to go to the Advent Health Healthcare Center, we had a thing with the Tampa Bay Times the other day. We had a breakfast that people, uh, some of the fan ticket holders, won or, or people that submitted things and, and, and there's a display you know when they went through the original mm-hmm. uniform design from the orange to the red and pewter which was the biggest the biggest alteration they made um there's all these prototypes of helmets uh and uh and, and different color schemes that they considered and they're really mm-hmm. cool um it and is it's a really who cool knows? display yeah maybe one of those is actually the actual helmet that they might be using there is a white helmet um that has the uh, skull and cross swords to your point you could use the white helmet and then flip it over and put the old logo on it um, and and be able to wear the orange uniforms, which is something that the fans want to see at least a couple times a year or once a year. So that, that might be a consideration, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty mm-hmm. cool to go in there. Cause that was a major redesign. I mean, they, they introduced a color that the NFL didn't have, right. Which was pewter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then going from the orange to, you know, to a deep red and, um, and all of that and a completely different logo. I mean, that, that was, that was well received, and, and yeah, it'll, I think be inter- it was, it'll be interesting if they change the logo this time, or if it's just a uniform mm-hmm. redesign. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think this is just my guess. I tend to think the logo won't change. Mm-hmm. I tend to think that they're going to be the skull and cross swords, 
on a flag of some kind, maybe by itself, but probably on a flag. Um, maybe the color change, if I had to predict, and I'm not really don't know anything, so don't hold me to this, but if I had to guess, I don't know that pewter will be the thing. I could see them getting back or getting to a, a lighter shade of, of gray and or silver, you know, mm-hmm. um, and doing something something more traditional. Uh, but pewter is unique to them. Like I said, nobody else in the NFL has that color, maybe for good reason. But uh, And they've given different adaptations, different shades of pewter through the years. Um, but they but they could change the helmets to white, and, and uh, well, we'll see. It's going to be – I know there'll be lots of, uh, lots of hints, lots of people looking for stuff from Nike that uh, – that maybe they can leak out <laughs> and such, but um, it's a pretty. Uh, when, when they did the major redesign, I was somehow able to break news. I broke news on a couple things, like iconic for the Bucks, and it didn't make them happy. Um, the pirate ship in the end zone of Raymond James. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they wanted to roll that one out too, and and I kind of spilled the beans on it. And then and then the uniforms. We knew that uh, I believe that at the time that it came out that they were going to have. Um, you know, some Raider like, and not, not the Raiders were, were careful to say, don't, don't copy us cause we'll, we'll sue you. But, um, you know, some kind of skull and crossbones, uh, it turned out to be cross swords, um, type of logo. And, and then, you know, the red, uh, was, was a big part of it, but, um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. And, uh, it'll be, uh, like I said, in April, they could do it. Uh, they could do it at the owner's meetings. Um, you know, sometime, well, that's in late, that's in late March. So it won't be quite April. But the schedule generally comes out in April, so maybe prior to that. I would think it would be done in town. I don't think yes. they would do it at the owners' meetings. I mean, no, that's true because that's in Palm Beach. They would yeah, want to make a big deal. of They're going to have town. an unveiling locally. Absolutely, yeah, they'll have they'll players, march out players wearing Jameis Winston yep. and Shaq Barrett and all the guys that they resign. <laughs> uh, or franchise tag and model those. Yeah, I mean that's now that would be a good game show. Guess guess the players that'll be modeling the new uniforms next year, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Brady. Well, it's kind of like the game we played a couple of years ago, and guess who uh, pictures would be on the side of Raymond James Stadium? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Really. Well, yeah. So lots of changes going on. Um, anyway, I uh, wanted to pass that news along, and uh, we'll keep you updated if, uh, if there's any more on that. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. All right, my buddy cop Eduardo Encina, points unknown, been all over the place. A little bit of Vipers, a lot of baseball. <laughs> he joins us now. Eduardo, where are you? <laughs> I'm actually at home finally. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm at home here in Tampa. So, uh, yeah, I, I put a lot of mileage on my car the past uh, two, three weeks. And, uh, but, you know, you got to go where the action is, right, Rick? <laughs> well, you've been there. And, uh, in fact, when this, this whole spring training thing started, I wanted to get your, your thoughts uh, on, on the Houston Astros. You were at that oh. press conference. Of course, you covered baseball for. Uh, Pretty much the balance of your career, uh, beat writer for the uh, you know with the Orioles and Baltimore Sun and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, just your thoughts on this scandal itself. Just just w- what was your your reaction to it? What has been the players' reactions uh, among uh, you know other teams that that you've observed? So one thing from from being in baseball clubhouses that I think most people realize when they're in it for for a while is that you know there is there definitely is a clubhouse culture and there is one that like. Most stuff stays in house, you know, it's, and, 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 you know, guys talk and, and guys, 
Um, you know, guys obviously are open about certain topics and, but even down to like, you know, pitch mechanics, you know, grip, pitching grips and stuff like that. Sometimes guys just don't want to talk about that. You know what I mean? So I think this has really caused the first time you've really seen in a while, like kind of a divide, you know, amongst players and clubhouses. You know, you've got, you know, the, the Astros who have said, you know, uh, you know, who've kind of are trying to defend the legitimacy of their of their World Series championship, saying that, you know, hey, we were really good on the road, saying that you know, it didn't affect the World Series because the Dodgers already knew we're already throwing all these changing up signs all the times, you know, but then we have the questions of, you know, how long did this really happen? You know, we know it did go into 2018. You know, we know that the Astros believe that it worked well enough for them to continue doing it into 2018, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously with the buzzer situation, the playoffs, all that stuff that, you know, I think you talk to a lot of players, though, they think that that happened. You know, they, they think that the, the buzzers that they were using buzzers in, in the, in, in the 2019 and the playoffs and, against the Yankees and, and, you know, who knows against the Rays, but, um, Mm. you know, so, so there's that, that part of it too. But, you know, I, I, from going into a lot of different clubhouses over the past few weeks, I I think the players are a lot more open about, especially pitchers, you know, pitchers, um, you know, when when I went to Orioles camp, you know, obviously a place I'm very familiar with, but, you know, talking with with Alex Cobb, you know, he, um, he was very forthright in in what he said about, uh, you know, this whole situation, you know, that, uh, he remembers that pitching against the Astros in 2017, and he got lit, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it was one of those. And, and as a pitcher, you come off the mound, and you think to yourself, you don't think about, you know, you don't hear the trash cans or anything like that. You just think to yourself, man, am I this bad, you know? Sure. And so it's it's a mental thing. And then when you realize you hear all the whispers, and then you find out that that this this stuff was true, you know, there's definitely an, an anger settling in. And you know, it's funny because. When you hear about what the commissioner did in terms of granting the players immunity, I think a big part of that was because he didn't want to have a situation with the players union, you know. And so but right now the players union is is pretty divided right now because you have the Astros players who the players union is is supposed to protect. The baseball has now said that they're trying to protect. And, you know, you have the players who are angry at them, (laughs) you know, who thinks that they cheated them out of you know parts of their careers, the parts of. Uh, you know, outcomes of, of, of seasons, everything like that. So, you know, it, it's a really, really difficult dynamic and, and it's, it's touched on, on, on everything really. And, you know, it, it, this, this, this isn't going away anytime soon because now, you know, we're still waiting for the Boston investigation, you know, who knows what's going to come out of that, you know, and, and I think too, you know, more and more, you're going to find out a little bit more about, you know, were other teams doing this, you know, and, I think that the, the difference with the, the the Astros situation is that I truly think that there was a different level of deceit with the Astros. I think the Astros were not only they knew it was wrong, they knew they were getting a leg up, they knew they had an advantage, but they were really trying to do something and 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 and, and take people off their trail. You know, we know the Astros has a team that you know was very ahead of the game in terms of analytics and in terms of um, you know, using data to to help them win. And because of that, you know, there was very little, you know, they, they inherently, they were the team that was doing all these new things. Now, little did we know that they were doing not just new things, but illegal things. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think you're, you're, there, there's been this kind of slow drip of details come out, not so much in the past week, but right, you know, at the beginning of spring training when, when players were coming out and really starting to talk is, you know, how much, um, you know, how much was really going on here. And, um, so I think, uh, you know, you're, you're, there's, there's more information to be found. There's more information to be uncovered, but, um, obviously for baseball, 
it's something that's not going to go away, you know, and, and, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, it's obviously a, a dark cloud and kind of a black eye on the game. And, um, you know, I, you know, there can be the argument that, you know, people, people have been doing this for, for years, you know, um, even using technology, but, uh, to steal signs, but, you know, this, this isn't what, I don't think anyone from a fan perspective, from a media perspective, from even anyone who follows a game perspective really has a really good feeling about baseball coming to spring training. And this is a time when everyone should be excited about it. You know, everyone should be like, right. Oh wow, my, my team, I got this guy or that guy or, or, you know, you know, this is a year that, that my team's going to go and win the World Series. Every team kind of has a little bit of optimism. Sometimes it's veiled optimism. But I feel that this this year, there's just it feels a little bit different. And, and that's just because of, of everything that's going on. You know, you, you mentioned the clubhouse mentality. And, you know, without Mike Fires, maybe this is still something that's, sure. you know, in the dark. Right. I mean, he yeah. comes forward, former member of the Houston Astros, but wasn't until he was with the Oakland A's and. Some look at him as a hero who has who has helped save baseball, and others think he's a, the ultimate pariah. We heard Big Poppy talking about that, yeah. and you've got players like Charlie Morton and some others on on other teams that, uh, or even Justin Verlander, who was a pitcher with the Astros, that says he wish he had done more. I don't know what they did to begin with, but more right. would be would be something. So, how do you think ultimately that uh, that that players will look at guys like Fires? I mean, do they? Are they glad that he called it out? Do they, or is it just an impossible situation where, you know, at some point someone's going to grow a conscience and this was going to come out somehow? Right. Well, I think you know, the, the basic line most players are have to say is just say, you know, you, you you're ha- outside of the Astros clubhouse is that, you know, you're happy that that, that this is out there and that he brought mm-hmm. it to light and and that you know now now you can kind of address it. You know, um, right. I I think it's it's. It's one of those situations that, um, you know, we, you know, I'm talking to Alex Cobb, you know, he said, he said, you know, I, it's great that I, I really res- respect Mike Fires that he came out. Like, I kind of wish he came out a couple of years earlier, you know, yeah, um, exactly. but because, because, you know, obviously 2017 is when it was going on and he was on that mm-hmm. team, you know, um, right. you know, you can see kind of the, the big poppy aspect of it from that perspective, you know, that, that, um, you know, why do you come out now? But, you know, again, if, if he doesn't, then we're, we're not talking about any of this. And we're still under the illusion that, you know, of, of what of, of what we thought of the Houston Astros in, in 2017. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's good that it came forward. I think the players all say that it's good that it came forward. You know, I, I do think that there's maybe a little bit of, you know, players move around so much. And, uh, you know, we do it in football. How many times do we get do do do, do guys ask about uh, – you know, giving away a, a game plan because he played on that team, you know, a year ago or something like that. You know what I sure, mean? Sure, sure. So, so and that's still a little overrated at times, yeah. Right, right, and, and it is. But you know, so, so that 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 discussion always kind of happens. But um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the coming out of something that was kind of under this cloak of secrecy is something entirely different. And mm-hmm. um, but I, 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 I'm I'm of the belief that there's more to be found here. That there's I you agree. Know, whether whether it's more teams mm-hmm. again that that did things maybe not to this degree. But but did mm-hmm. do things to um you know to to try to to, to to violated rules you know I mean you know from from being around the game there's so many you've heard so many things about sign stealing you know I mean when I when I covered the Orioles you know in in Toronto uh, there's there's so many vantage points of center field from yes. from center field of home plate there's a hotel there there's a mm-hmm. restaurant there there's a seating bowl there so you know there were always kind of things where the Orioles went there that 
they would switch up signs all the time because they were worried that someone was getting them. And, and yet you didn't know where right. they were getting them from. You didn't know, you know, and then that's the thing, like sign stealing itself is not illegal, right? No. But, but, but so, so, but, but using obviously technology to get those signs is illegal, but so you're, it's kind of a catch 22 a little bit, but I, that, so, so there's always been these kind of, uh, you know, whispers and kind of you know, teams preparing for it too. You know, um, when I was in, in, in Cardinals camp, you know, I, I talked to Matt Weeders, who I covered in Baltimore, we talked about that, you know, just kind of, you know, in Toronto and, you know, certain places elsewhere that, that, you know, you, you travel to and, and you have the conversation before games, you know, Hey, do we need to be aware of, of this? Do we need to think about, you know, switching up signs and, and stuff like that? So there's a lot of things to go on behind the scenes too, but you know, at, at the very least, like now we know, we know something's up. Right. But again, I, I do think that there's, there's, probably a lot to uncover still you know certain uh teams certainly were hurt more and players i mean right. obviously the yankees have a gripe right um sure and and you know a guy like aaron judge maybe as an mvp has a gripe sure. the Rays might have been hurt by it too though and if, if it went on last year i mean look and I don't, I don't know i mean how much how much skepticism is there now right we know that tyler glass now might have been tipping pitches on his own right Mm-hmm. But but like how much skepticism is there uh, with respect to the Rays uh, towards the Astros? Do they feel particularly aggrieved? Yeah, I mean, like I think the Astros have kind. Of, I mean, the the Rays have kind of played the the company line a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you know, we saw that game five, man. Right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm telling on. you. I mean, we, we saw that. I mean, Tyler Glass now was a was a dominant guy with the, and and why was Tyler Glass now so dominant because you didn't know what was coming with him, right? You did not he know. 100 miles 90, an hour. I mean, how do you adjust, 90, right? Yeah. Right, whether that 98 mile an hour was coming or that curveball was coming. You know, you didn't know. Yeah. And so yeah. if you know what's coming, mm. you're going to be able to hit him, right? And t- you know, tip pitches, mm. blah, blah. Like, I think, I think with technology now, like a guy tipping his pitches, and, 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 and a guy does have the availability to do this between innings, is, you know, you have data now that you can see so easily on a video or or anything like that that like what the difference sure. in your delivery is you know you can see it sure. instantaneously almost you know and so right right you know tipping pitches to me nowadays especially over the past five years with the 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 technology that's come with like you know basically the, these these motion cameras and stuff like that that, mm-hmm. that really diagram every aspect of your delivery like down to the you know whether whether you're holding your glove up an inch or a centimeter higher sure. when you're throwing a fastball versus an off-speed pitch. Like, tipping pitches now, I, I feel like that's kind of an excuse. You know what I mean? And and, and with this, though, like, I, I, all I know is what I saw. You know what I mean? I didn't I, I didn't go back and hear bangs or anything like that. But yeah. I know what I saw was that it looked like those guys knew every single thing that was coming, you know, mm-hmm. against Tyler Glass now in that game five. And it just so happens to be in Houston, you know? So, right. you know, it was funny because James Click, who was, you know, in, in the race for an office for so long, and is now the Houston Astros general manager, you know, on that day when, when the Astros opened camp and they had that big press conference, he was asked, you know, what, what was your take of it back then? And he said, you know, it's, you know, it's very common that, you know, you know, to, you know pitchers can tip their pitches and, and that, you know, it, it's something that, that, that other teams can, can pick up on. And we know, we knew that, that they were a team that, that was known to, be able to catch those kind of things. And we were, you know, we tried to be as aware of it as possible. Now, James Cook's in the ultimately tough, toughest predicament there because 
He's collecting sure. a check from the Astros now, and you mm-hmm. know, you know, we don't know what he thought back then when 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 that was happening. But um, you know, it, it, to me, like man, yeah, I, I I would think that the Rays have a gripe. You know, I mean, like, it, and it's almost like the the Yankees knew. You know what I mean? The Yankees knew what was going on. Uh, you know, they complained about the whistling. They complained about a couple other things. Um, just to look on Aroldis Chapman's face when he came off the mound after oh, that yeah. Altuve home run, like he almost knew it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, the, the secret's out, but like, you know, it, and we may never know, you know, we, we, I guess we have to kind of come to the point that we may never know whether the Rays got, you know, got, got cheated in, in that series. But, um, you know, at the very least, at least some of it's out now. And, and a lot of it's just out to the court of public opinion right now. And, and I think you can kind of go either way on, on that, on that ALDS, uh, series between the Rays and the Astros. And we're still waiting on the news of the Red Sox and how much involvement right. they had. Of course, it's interesting that Big Poppy comes out and says that, you know, Mike Fires waited so long. I wonder how he'd feel if one of his Red Sox players did that. But what <laughs> I'm, what I'm curious about, I mean, what do you expect the reaction to be? Not just from the fans, but what do you think will happen? We know that, uh, you know, Dusty Baker has come out and said that, hey, baseball has to protect our, our players. And, and uh, you know, certainly there's a lot of anger on the other side. But how do you think this is going to go for the Astros this year? Well, I think every I think they'll probably feel hear it more around them than they will on the field. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. obviously the, the commissioner is, has has made it clear that that he's going to protect them in terms of any kind of retaliation and in terms of of, of getting hit by pitches or targeting anything like that. Which is interesting that to me that all of a sudden now this is now beanballs are, are something that we're concerned with now. You know, the guys have been getting hit for years and, and now all of a mm-hmm. sudden because we need to protect a team that cheated, <laughs> we're now now there's this this emphasis on, on, on making ensuring safety. The guys aren't being targeted. So, um, right. you know, a couple of players I talked to, they, they 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 said that they said that, you know, yeah, we want we want to get get seek some revenge. But, um, you know, we don't think the Major League Baseball is really going to allow that. And so. You know, but but you know, make no question. You know, these guys are going to be vilified everywhere they go on the road. You know, I mean, um, I can't I can't wait to the next time they go. To the, I would circle the date of when they go to Yankee Stadium. Um, so uh, the, the first trip to Yankee Stadium. So oh um, my goodness, you know, they'll, they'll they'll hear it from the fans. They'll hear it. You know, they've heard it in the media. I, I mean, Rob Manfred made a point that he said that if you if you think that these guys aren't paying a price, that that you really don't aren't understanding the situation. You know, and but is that any different than, you know, steroid guys back in the day? You know, when when, you know, sure. people would put put on, uh, you know, would boo a rod or boo, you know, mm-hmm. even big poppy, you know, even, you know, boo, uh, you know, bonds and and, and and Clemens and guys like that. You know, it's not necessarily different than, than that. But um, but I, I do think this is probably going to be a little bit different level. You know, I think that that this has kind of consumed maybe a little bit more than just baseball itself because, um, you know, we, at that Astros press conference, you know, it wasn't just baseball writers there. It was, you know, national like news entities, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, who, who mm-hmm. were there, you know, because, and they were asking questions, not just about baseball, but like what kind of message is just sent about just competition and cheating in general, the message you're sending to kids, stuff like that. You know, we heard about the, the teams and, and the little league teams aren't going to use the Astros name anymore, stuff like that. But, um, you know, they're, they're going to hear it and they're going to feel it, but you know, on the road, baseball is, is a sport that, you know, you play so many games on the road that you kind of become a little bit insulated. So I, I don't think that necessarily is going to affect them too much um, as, as they'll get used to the booze, you know, they'll get used to it. And you know, some guys 
love playing in front of booing crowds, you know, crowds at eight. Sure, it can you know, galvanize so, you, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. So you may, it, it might actually, you know, not, not necessarily affect them, maybe actually benefit them on the field because, you know, in their eyes, and, and whether it's right or wrong, in their eyes, they look at the season as, well, they're going to prove to everyone that they were still as good as everyone thought they were. And, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it may be that maybe they are just as good. You know, it's just that now they're going to mm-hmm. try to prove it and kind of show everyone that, you know, maybe this didn't matter quite as much and, and that they were just that, that they were always that good. And, and they are good players. Like, I mean, like Altuve, Bregman, Correa, Springer, all those guys are, they're good players. But, you know, it is, as, I mean, I, I don't know. I, the, just like anything else, any other sport, if you know, you know, football, if you know that they're running this play, you're going to yeah, be, it's going to be easier to mm-hmm. defend, you know, in mm-hmm. basketball, the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, no matter what, if you know what, and baseball, I would say it's even to the nth degree is that, you know, what pitch is coming, you know, what speed they're throwing, you're going to be able to hit it. I don't know. Like I've, I've, I've hit in a, I, I haven't played baseball since high school. Rick, you, you're, you're, you're a former college phenom. I know. But, <laughs> well, not you know, that, but no. But, yeah. but, 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 but I know that, you know, if, if you step into, so you step into a batting cage that's throwing 95 at you, eventually you're going to hit it. You know what I mean? You might not rake, but eventually you're going to get the timing, right? Timing's everything in baseball. So, Absolutely. you know, if, if you know what's coming and at what speed it's coming at you, you're going to have a big, big advantage, I think. Yeah, no, and if if I had known that they were going to throw sliders in college baseball and I knew when they were coming, I, I might have actually gone beyond college, but there was absolutely no choice. I was done when the sliders started coming. Let me ask you this. Uh, you, you've spent a little time around the Rays, and uh, I don't know how much uh, time you've spent uh, around uh, Yoshi uh, Go, but it, just the general uh, feel for the kind of player this guy is going to be, and 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 it looks like he's a very affable guy. Um, yeah. You know, the race clubhouse, I mean, you know, again, somebody who's covered baseball for a long time, there's there's a heavy uh, Latin American influence yeah. in baseball. But, man, the Rays have seven different nations represented, I think, six or seven different countries in that clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they've obviously been they're, – they're very focused on, you know, the international aspect of the game. Like you said, very heavy Latin American presence that seems to grow every year. And, you know, like you said, they've, they've gone to, um, you know, different places to, to internationally to get guys. You know, they've obviously, you know, brought in a guy like G-Man Choi. You know, they didn't, like, mm-hmm. scout him or anything like that. But, you know, they, he's, he's been a good player with them, the best that he's ever been as a as a player. And obviously yeah. uh, with Yoshi, you mentioned, too, you, know, Aki, you go back to Aki Amriura, you know, back in, right. back in the in the 2000s, like, mid-2000s, mm-hmm. right? And so um, they've always kind of been ahead of the game. And, and you know, it, it's – the one thing from the media, from our aspect that you see is, you know, how those guys adjust to clubhouses. And the thing, too, is, like, there might be language barriers of, like, communications and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, the game is the same. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. you know, w- once once you get comfortable with your environment, the, a new environment and stuff like that, and it looks like Yoshi's doing that, it's, it seems that, you know, the other stuff kind of comes, you know. And sure. uh, he, I, I, I think it feels like he, he's a a really good personality and, and he's a really good, mm-hmm. uh, obviously a, a good player. He's drawn a lot of that me- that Japanese media that we see that we saw with like, <laughs> you know, with, uh, Matsui and, and all those mm-hmm. guys when, when they come over, uh, you know, the yeah. other day he was, he was taking ground balls at third base and there was probably a crowd of like 10 or 10 or 12 reporters watching every single ball ground ball that he took. So, um, on a backfield. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to bring a certain level of interest and, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he 
uh, meshes into the clubhouse. And then what, you know, like I've been in a lot of clubhouses and, and this is one that maybe it's because of the youth and maybe it's because of, uh, you know, just, just the way these guys are. Cause maybe because of a lot of them came up together, but the race clubhouse yeah. is one that, that, that is really easy to adapt to, you know, like, like they've yeah. just got good young guys who, you know, uh, it's going to sound cliche. You just want to play ball. You know what I mean? And they know that, yeah. you know, they, they don't, they're not the Yankees They're they're not the Red Sox, you know, that, and, and that, but, but they're okay with that. And that, um, you know, they, they, they kind of have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and maybe that comes from Kevin Cash a little bit too. But, um, sure. you know, they, they, there, I, I think if, if there's, if there's, I can't think of too many clubhouses that, that, that just naturally, just because of the way they are, is that there's mm-hmm. as, as easy to adapt to as the Rays, just because, like I said, and maybe it's because of the youth, maybe it's because they've had success, maybe it's because, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of those guys kind of came up uh, together, um, and, 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 you know, last year they saw success together, but just from being in there, like, they're really loose, you know what I mean? Everyone's loose in spring training, but it, it's a different it's a different feeling in there, and I think for Yoshi, that, that's one that will really, really help him out. Yeah, I think they're a confident bunch after what yeah. they were able to do last year. I mean, they, they, you know, the, the playoff experience, they, they seem hungry to do that again. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm I with you. I mean, you go into some clubhouses. I haven't been in many, but like for the Yankees, for example, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, um, you'll see clicks, right? You'll see a bunch of Latin American players over here, a bunch of other older veterans there, young kids there. You know, it's sometimes yeah. it's like that. But, um, but no, it seems like everybody seems to sort of intermingle pretty well uh, with the Rays. So what what would be the the one thing that 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 Eduardo you're looking at this Rays team and saying hmm you know I mean we know the starting pitching with the three guys they can run out there much less four or maybe even five right. uh, the starters are going to be pretty good should they stay healthy um, but you know the Emilio Pagan is gone and yet you've got a bunch of guys that can pitch late innings I mean is there anything it's got to be probably the offense right can they score enough runs uh, to win. Yeah, I mean, obviously, last year the, the, that offense went through some, uh, you know, went through some ups and downs, you know, um, mm-hmm. and and I think that so so there's there's a few things to kind of look at, you know, you, there's the guys you added, you know, guys like Hunter Renfro, you know, sure. Margo, guys like that who, you know, when when you look at them, you're kind of like, you know, these guys have potential, but they kind of haven't reached it yet, and you know, the Rays are good at, at, at getting the most out of guys, you know, they they did last year of Yandy Diaz, you know. Uh, G-Man's another example, guys like that. So I think part of it is, is seeing how, how some of those new guys uh, kind of what, what's up, what's next for them um, in terms of becoming better necessarily on base guys, better run producers, stuff like that. Um, and, and then, you know, what you see from, you know, full season of Brandon Lau, you know, he, who at one point was, uh, you know, maybe a front runner for rookie of the year until he got hurt. Um, and, and just how that whole, that whole lineup develops, you know, they're, it was one that, you know, initially seemed to be uh, a little lopsided in terms of lefty righty, and they've kind of kind of tried to address that a little bit. And um, so there should be a little bit more balance to it. There should be a little bit more, um, you know. I, I think some more. Uh, I mean, I, I think they're going to miss Tommy Pham, obviously. Um, so you, you're trying to find who who kind of fills that role for them. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely how this how this lineup kind of fits, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. how it kind of fits together, uh, top to bottom, but you know, it's, it's a good lineup. I mean, it, it's, it's one that, that, uh, that I think you'll, 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 I don't know if it's better than last year's, but I think it might be. Um, mm-hmm. so like I said, fam, fam is the big guy that you, you're kind of trying to, trying to replace there. Um, cause sure. he kind of did, 
did so much kind of dirty work, I guess, that, that in the mm-hmm. lineup that, that really kind of goes unnoticed in terms of working counts, getting on base, you know, advancing, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that and, uh, you know, it, it, it also too, I mean, I, th- I think one thing that, that will be interesting to see is just kind of how this outfield kind of shakes out. They invested so much into adding to the outfield, right? So much so mm-hmm. that like, you know, they're going to, you know, Margot's a natural center fielder. He's going to kind of play, you know, the, the corners, uh, you know, with Kiermaier there. Um, but with, 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 with some of those guys, you know, you might have, uh, you know, you, it, potentially a, an outfield that really can cover a lot of ground, you know, and, and, and obviously when we think back to what would really makes the, some of the really good race teams really good, even going back to the Madden years, it's the defense, right? It, it's, it's playing good defense up the middle and it's playing, covering a lot of ground in the outfield, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that's one thing that is also, you know, maybe from a, from a next level kind of perspective to kind of look, look, look towards is, is how some of those guys, those new additions in the outfield um, can kind of cover ground because they, they come to the Rays with really good defensive reputations. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that's another thing to kind of watch for as, uh, as we kind of continue in the games and, and even into the season. Well, a team that's built on pitching certainly needs defense, and they've, yep. they've done that with their outfield and the speed that they have out there. Okay, let me get your thoughts on uh, something you've been doing uh, in between covering baseball, which is the XFL. You've uh, hung out a little bit with the Vipers. First of all, what, what's your general impression of this league, Eduardo? So, I, you know, I, I didn't know what to think of it. I think most people even involved with it didn't know what to think of it going in, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of uh, reaction you're going to get from fans, from you know, mm-hmm. viewers, everything like that. And I think, you know, just like the first version of the NFL, they, they really come up with some good ideas, you know, in terms of, yes. um, you know, the, 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 especially the broadcast, you know, the, the, the product that, that they put in the broadcast and some of the rule changes and stuff like that. You know, we know that the NFL took a, a few things from the old XFL, and I think that the NFL might take a few things from, from this version too. So, um, you know, I, I think that the, the way that, the, that they do the kickoffs with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, guys, guys are stationary until the ball carrier catches the ball. You know, that, that's the point of that is to kind of, you know, avoid this whole, you know, 40 yards of steam coming at you basically. And, and, and these collisions mm-hmm. that, that were causing a lot of concussions. Uh, I mean, that's a really good idea. You know, um, it, it, the, the way that the, uh, the two minutes work with a lot of clock stoppages now, um, like that makes games more interesting at the end, even when, you know, it just makes games more interesting till the end. And I think that's that's an interesting theory. And obviously with the broadcast, you know, being able to there, – there were a lot of things that stand out. One is the, the mics. You hear the quarterback being mic'd. You hear the uh, the signal callers, the uh, the guys who are calling the plays mic'd as, as they're, you know, relaying the plays. And so you hear all of that audio. And mm-hmm. it's actually interesting when, when you – and it, 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 it carries over to – the broadcast, the broadcasters, you know, you, when you have a good analyst, uh, guys like Joe Clad and Greg Olson, who actually know what they're talking about when they hear that verbiage, they can tell mm-hmm. you exactly what's, what the play is going to, what kind of play to expect. But I think it's really cool when you watch it. And then also, too, is, is the way that they've they've mic'd up the, the replay booth, which, as you know, as you and I well know, Rick, is we come back from some of these replays not knowing what they're looking at, right? And right. You know, with, with this one, like literally that 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 replay official is in there and he's saying, OK, I see this and I see this and I'm looking at this angle and I'm looking at that angle. So it offers a lot of clarity that I feel that, you know, sometimes with the NFL and even baseball, you know, you, you don't really get because you don't know what angles a replay official is looking at. You don't know, 
you know, how they determined, you know, a, a, you know, to to uphold a play or to reverse it. And I think that's one that, that's really going to kind of, you know, translate into not maybe not just the NFL, but into other sports, because it offers a a level of, uh, you know, of, of clarity that you really I think a lot of people, a lot of fans and even us in media, like we don't really get from just hearing the the, the ruling on the field. So uh, th- that's one that I, I think they've got a lot of good things going on. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the football, I think. You know, like there were a lot mm-hmm. of fans that came out uh, on Saturday for the first home game, 18,000. Um, and that's probably about around right what the average crowd is right now. And Seattle, they you know, Seattle's a big football town. They they, they almost had yeah. uh, 30 the other day, last the other week with, with their game mm-hmm. against the Vipers. But um, so but it's going to come down to football there. there there's there's some exciting play. The you know, the NFL is about, you know, the quarterback league, right? The quarterback play in the XFL isn't quite there yet. You've got two or three, you know, two or three guys who are really making plays, and the other ones are kind of, kind of guys. But um, you know, so so there, there's that. But I think all in all, you know, three weeks into the season, you've got to be, you know, I would say I'm pleasantly surprised at what the product's been and what the reaction's been and what um, just just everything that I've seen from it, you know. And um, you know, obviously, this is going to give this could give a lot of guys. The opportunity to get back to the league, you know, or at least get into a camp somewhere or again to a, a practice squad or something like that. Most of these guys have been on practice squads. And that's the one thing that's interesting about these rosters is unlike NFL rosters where you've got, there's a clear hierarchy, right? These are the guys who are mm-hmm. the franchise players. These are the guys who are the role players. These are the draft picks. These are the guys who are on the bubble, right? This, this, te- these teams are rosters are basically the same kind of guys. They're all guys yeah. who have been on on practice squads, on and off practice squads. They played in the CFL. They played in the, they played in the Alliance League, and and they're trying to get back. So I think when you when you have that and you have that kind of level of competition throughout throughout a roster, it kind of adds a different dynamic. That I think, you know, the, the, the league's motto has been for the love of football. But you know, there there is a kind of a truth to that because these guys are really playing for an opportunity to get back to to where to have another opportunity to get seen and. There, there's not really a better opportunity, really, to put ten games on film. You know, like, you know, if you're sure. on a practice squad and you know you're getting X amount of snaps, like, are you really getting mm-hmm. an opportunity to show what you can do? Versus these guys, which are really getting, you know, if you're playing, you're getting to put ten games on film and to show exactly what you can do. So, I think you know, for the players, for the fans, you know, some of, like I said, some of the the the, the new things that they're showing, I think it's been it's been pretty good so far. Well, the Vipers' uh, motto could be, for the love of God, will you play Quentin Flowers more? But, um, look, I mean, Aaron Murray was going to be the starting quarterback. Right. He got hurt, okay? And then they went to Taylor Cornelius. In fairness to him, he played okay yeah. uh, in the game the other day, and, and I know they got into the goal-to-go situation where it didn't make any sense that Mark Tressman wouldn't use Flowers uh, right. with the dual threat that he that he provides. But just just what is going on i mean there's there seems to be some frustration i know there was a story that somebody wrote that oh you know Tressman's already losing his yeah. his locker room which is interesting cuz they don't really know each other yet but um but it, you know is flowers going to emerge as, as as the guy you think eventually that that will play and be the starter or will they just wait for murray to come back and, and does Tressman want that guy that's the pocket passer the guy that's going to look more like an nfl quarterback than than one that played in college right yeah i mean to, to be honest like and I haven't really said this yet, but like when I saw all three of those quarterbacks practice, like on the practice field for two, three mm-hmm. weeks before the season ended, I honestly thought that Cornelius was the best one, just from just from the way he looked. You know, six sure. six stands in the pocket well. 
It probably runs a little Absolutely. bit better than you think. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and looks to move the ball downfield, you know, mm-hmm. um, now, now, and, and, and that, you know, watching practice doesn't necessarily allow you to see Quentin flowers and the best things that he does either, you know, right. because what, what, what he does well is I, I think the thing that, that doesn't go on the statue of Quentin is the tempo, you know, like, like you can feel when he's on the field and they're moving the ball, you can feel that a defense is on its toes, right? It's on its heels right. kind of. You know, right. and that's what he does with the ability to run the ball. And they have two really good, good running backs in Davion Smith and Jaquez Patrick, who, who both of those guys are, are good or capable running backs. And when you add him as a third threat, like you could you, you can kind of think that like you might not even need to throw the ball to move the ball. Now, mm-hmm. there's the other part of it that, you know, does it become a little bit more predictable too predictable when you go from this, you know, pocket passer, whether it's Cornelius or Murray. And then you go to, to Quentin Flowers. So why don't you just choose one and that becomes your identity? I guess that's kind of the big question, you know. Um, and, and the thing is, they do have good receivers. They have big, tall receivers who can get the ball um, if, if it's thrown to them in the right places. Um, but when you're looking at, at, you know, what the ultimate goal is here is to win games. And and they've been close in games, too. You know, this isn't how, with the exception of the first game, they it was pretty lopsided, but the past two games, they've either held leads in the second quarter or had, like you said, you know, an ability, the chance to take a late lead with first down inside the five. And both of those times, they chose to stick with Cornelius over going to Flowers. And that's really the big kind of question that I had for Trustman after the game was, it's not even necessarily like, okay, should, should Quinn Flowers be your starting quarterback over this guy or anything like that? It's mm-hmm. like, why didn't you put him in there then? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 and Trestman, like Tr- Mark Trestman, from what I've known of him so far is like, he's a great guy. Like he's one of these guys who, unlike most football coaches, Rick, we know this is like, he, he will shake your hand and he wants to know your name, you know what I mean? Right. And he, and, 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 and he, um, you know, so, so he's, he's, he's very nice. He's, he's very thoughtful. Um, and maybe, you know, a little bit to a fault, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of, of trying to figure out this game plan. You know, last week I asked him, I was like, you know, moving these quarterbacks in and out, do you think that that hurts the tempo or the rhythm? And he's like, well, I think it's too early to tell him that. You know, we're going mm-hmm. into week three, you know. And so, right. um, but, 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 you know, my main thing with it is just like on, on those kind of drives, you know what I mean? You, you want to put mm-hmm. the best guys in the best ways to succeed, right? That's the whole point of it. Right. So why wouldn't you put Quinn Flowers in, in either one of those situations, whether it was – last week against uh, against a really good Houston team or in Seattle the week before, um, just because you know you know that kind of pressure that he can put on a defense. You know, you look at Quinn's numbers and they're not – you look at them, they're not like – they don't blow you away or anything like that. You know what I mean? Right. But, but, but when you see him on the field, um, he, he, does, he does have this, this ability to kind of put a defense on its heels. And, and what, what is interesting is last week, you know, he only played two, two drives. The first drive right. he, he scored a touchdown on and then – and then there was a really quick hook on him when he went three and out in the next drive, and then you never saw him for the rest of the game. So, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth because at first I thought that this whole two-quarterback system couldn't work, and then it seemed like it could work. And, and I, I do think it can work. I do think that you need to see more flowers. I do, and and, and the, the weird thing about Trestman right now is, like, he said that. He said, I really wish I could get him in the game more more often and earlier in the game, but he just hasn't. So that's the big kind of yeah. question is, like, kind of, you know, you have some opportunities here where you can get them in, and it seems ideal to get them in, and you didn't. So, where where are we kind of going with that? But um, 
you know, they're own three to 10 games sad schedule. So, you know, obviously they're almost kind of on the bordering on the point now where, you know, some of these guys might be starting to get frustrated and, and Quinton, you know, you know, God bless him. He's pretty honest about his frustration. You know, he's, you know, you know, you're, 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 there's, there's guys that you're holding back basically is what he's saying. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, but, but being at that game, it, 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 it was, it was so amazing about how they started booing Cornelius, like in a second drive and like two incompletions in and how That's much rough. they wanted to see Quentin. And so it's a tough, yeah. it's a tough narrative here because, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, Taylor Cornelius did not play a bad game. You know, he threw a pick at the end, but you know, those are picks that happen when you're trying to come back from leads when you're trying to sure. come back late in the fourth quarter. Right. So um, he did not play a poor game, but there were just times when I felt that, that it seemed pretty clear that, that Quentin should have been in that game. And, you know, yeah, the USF crowd is obviously there and they want to see him all the time. You know, they oh, just want to see him. And so mm-hmm. there, there's probably a little bit in between there that they can probably lead to victories. But um, but yeah, the, the, but but lack of lack of, you know, it was it was a great game to watch last week. You know, obviously it wasn't what you know what the hometown team what the home crowd wanted to see but um you know it, it was um you know it was cool to see football at raymond james in february and see you know what was a pretty good football game i mean again the houston team is really good they might be the best team in the league um sure. you know, pj walker is, is this you know usf fans saw him from his days at temple in the american conference and uh he can he can do a lot of different things and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an invite to a camp at the end of all this. But um, uh, he's the so, uh, he's the MVP at this point yeah, right absolutely, now. Absolutely, there's no doubt absolutely. about it. So in this league, he's played great, and it is tough for those quarterbacks. If uh, everybody, you know, the most popular guy is a backup quarterback on every team, and, and if it's Quentin Flowers, then it's definitely going to be the Vipers' most popular quarterback. Yeah. Well, he's Eduardo Encina. He's everywhere, folks. You, you can uh, read him on TampaBay.com. Covers baseball, covers the Rays, and oh yeah, you're going to be doing a little lightning soon too, as well, right? That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll, we've seen you out there before. You know, you know, uh, you know how to how to cover everything, really. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. You know, it's it's a uh, it's, it's it's a, a gift. Uh, yeah. It's it's a gift. It's a gift and a curse, Rick. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree with that, uh, and that's why I'm going to stick to football. I can do baseball, but I'm going to stick to football and uh, head on up to uh, to the combine. And we'll be talking a lot about the Bucks with you uh, soon. Don't be a stranger, man. Appreciate you hopping on with us. Thanks. Hey, anytime, Rick. Appreciate it. Okay, tonight the Lightning return home after uh, those two losses on the road, and they play against uh, Toronto. So that'll be at Amelie Arena. We'll discuss that tomorrow and. Uh, as you listen to this, I should be en route to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. Tomorrow you'll hear our discussion with Bucks coach Bruce Arians and general manager Jason Light. Both are going to be available to the media and hopefully uh, to a more private uh, scrum maybe of Buck writers or Buck beat writers. Uh, then on Thursday's show, we're going to hook up with Chris Torello of Spectrum Sports 360. On, you can hear him on Bay News 9. So uh, be sure to check out the, uh, all the indie coverage uh, on TampaBay.com. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.